number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here recording this on a Sunday, just a couple days removed from Iowa's 27-9 win over Northwestern at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, the 300th dual meet at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. And joining me today to discuss last Friday's duel, uh, one of the men on the mic for ESPNU that night, the one, the only, Rock Harrison. Rock, how are you doing, my man? I'm well on this Sunday morning, feeling good. Uh, I um carved out some time so I can talk about wrestling because I was about to watch some more wrestling all day long until the playoffs later on tonight when the Ravens play the Bengals. Oh, okay. So who, who do you got? Who do you got in that game? Now I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in Baltimore, so I got to go with the Ravens, <laughs> but do I think they're going to win? We got our third string quarterback in. Uh, it's going to be tough, but we're going to have a good uh, time because uh, we're having people over. They bring food. So food is always good. It doesn't matter if they win or lose as long as the food is good. I like that. I'm, so I'm originally from Kansas City, huge Chiefs fan. Um, and I got to tell you, man, I know that the Chiefs have gotten them the last few years, but I hate playing Baltimore's defense because they're just so fundamentally sound and explosive. And those dudes hit. So like yep. in addition to having to beat them, it's like, I hope everybody comes out healthy because they just <laughs> always have dudes. Uh, we, we do. We just uh, signed Rokon Smith uh, for $100 million. He's, he's pretty darn good since we got the trade for him. And um, the defense is one of us keep us in the uh, the game today. And so hopefully uh, when the listeners hear this, they'll be cheering that Baltimore won. But I'm not going to make any bets on that. <laughs> hey, as a Chiefs fan, I would not mind if the Bengals got bounced from the playoffs either. So <laughs> we're Ravens fans today. Thank you. Uh, like we mentioned, recording this on a Sunday, a uh, couple days removed from Iowa's pretty comfortable three possession win over the 11th-ranked Northwestern Wildcats. Hawkeyes now 10-0 overall, 3-0 against Big Ten competition. Rock, we'll dive into the dual meet here in just a moment, um, but I wanted to start with this. Um, Friday was your first trip to Iowa City and to Carver-Hawkeye Arena. What did you think of that experience, man? Well, uh, everyone talks about it, and I was looking forward to it at my office. Uh, they were saying, you're going to Carver-Hawkeye? I said, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it because – it's where you want to be. It's kind of like a checklist. You, you got to go to Carver Hawk Arena for a match. And so when ESPN asked me to do it, I was saying, absolutely, I want to do it. And then in December, I went to Penn State. So I was like, all right, let's compare and contrast between the Penn State atmosphere versus the Carver Hawkeye atmosphere. And um, it met my expectations. You know, it met my expectations. But here's what really surprised me. Everybody was really nice. <laughs> they were very polite. They were very kind to me. They said, do you need anything? They came over and spoke. And that's just, you know, not the impression that I thought, because I thought they were going to be just mean and well, they don't like anybody, but they were really nice. And so I was very uh, happy to be there. And the crowd, they were very smart. They understood uh, the nuances, uh, riding time, what was important at 157. When they got to one minute for the riding time, I could hear the clapping and they, they, they just get it. So it's good to be in people that understand the sport, appreciate it, and love the sport. But I, I was most in, in thrown away, thrown, uh, just surprised by how nice people were. 100%. And Sean Kenny, your broadcast partner um, on the ESPN platforms and ACC Network for for the duels that you guys call Perry Native, right? So he he understands the the rabid wrestling fandom, not just in Iowa City, but really all over the state. Did how, What did he do to maybe help prepare you um, if he did anything at all, or was he just kind of, you know, like, hey, show up, you'll see it for yourself. Here's the thing. This was his first dual meet that he's called at Iowa City. It was his first one. So he's been there, but he's never been there behind the mic, so to speak. So this was kind of different for him, but he said, it's going to be great. It's You're going to see it. It's going to be great. There's going to be a lot of people and they will know um, that 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 Iowa is going to compete hard. And I thought it was, again, what I expected before I, I got on the mic. I walked around, you know, just, just to get a feel. I looked at the steps, and I remember seeing uh, videos of the Brands Brothers carrying each other up the steps. And I was like, man, I was getting tired just walking myself. So carrying somebody up those steps, I was really impressed. So it was really cool. And as I walked around, people were just, you know, very polite. And I, I just like good people. 
and I didn't have any bad experience there. So it was what I expected. And, and the crowd was just a, it's just a good crowd. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And it helps when the Hawkeyes wrestle well, like they did on Friday, right? Took seven to 10 matches from the Wildcats, um, handful of bonus point wins, which we'll get into a couple of really big individual wins that we'll also touch on. Um, so I guess when you think back to the duel, cause I think both of both you and I have rewatched it since then, but obviously, you know, watching it live, um, you know, offers one perspective, rewatching it again, you pick up on some of the smaller things that maybe you missed live. Um, what did you what what'd you what what'd you think of the duel? What'd you think of Iowa wrestling? What'd you think of just the way that they competed that night? Northwestern had some good moments as well, but you know, Iowa obviously taking the duel pretty handily um against a really good Northwestern squad, a squad that I think could be in the trophy hunt come March if if they, you know, were able to get their pieces in the right order. Cody, I'm glad you mentioned that that Northwestern is a good team. Uh Iowa's just much better. And they did what they had to do. What I noticed across the board was Iowa wrestlers always want to put their hands on you put the hands on you and it's not just to put the hands just to hold it's to do something pull on the trap pull on the tricep bang on the head a little bit and it wears on you one thing that i noticed was that 174 when uh, nelson brands did it the whole time and he got two more takedowns in the last three seconds or maybe three just because it, it wore on uh inkman doc that's one of the things that i noticed with every match they were coming in hands kind of low but they wanted to touch to do something not just to touch but the touch to pull, that was consistent. And that just comes from coaching. And not just coaching, it's people buying in. So across the board, that's what I saw. Uh, from uh, from the wrestling point, I think you all did pretty well on top. Uh, it was certain things that I saw that the rides were generally um, solid, weren't really loose or lazy. It was very consistent. And I noticed pressure forward. Patrick, Patrick Kennedy, pressure forward, head behind the head on a sit-back. Kept it tight. Pressure forward. It wears on someone. When you're on top, you want to keep the hands down and press forward so the shoulders get tired, the traps get tired, everything is tired. And then you have to float from one side to the other, move here, move there. That's something consistent that I saw across the board. Tight matches are going to be saddled by riding time, mat wrestling. And across the board, that's what I saw from Iowa. And that's probably what I was most impressed with as a team. Absolutely. Yeah. And you you touched on the, you know, constantly getting their hands on guys that wears on them when they get to the third period. And I'm glad you mentioned Nelson Brands, a couple of takedowns pulled away, one, eight, two, a Basad, two takedowns in the third period, ultimately scored a major decision there, right? Big bonus points for Iowa. Tony Cassiope able to capitalize on a shot in the third period. Um, you know, lots of examples there. And then you had other examples and maybe this is maybe a good entry point. Um, 149, for example, really big matchup, right? Max Mir and Yaya Thomas. Yaya scored um, really, uh, really slick, quick takedown in that third period to, to beat Max three to two. First time I think he's ever beaten Max in his college career. Um, what'd you think of that match? Because it's Max is one of those guys that wants to wrestle in a phone booth, right? Constant heavy hands. He uses that to set up his shots. He got in on a couple shots, but Yaya did just enough to defend. Um, I thought Yaya did really well handling the hand fight, if that makes sense, in that match. I, what, what, was your, what was your thoughts on that match in, in total? I, I thought it was um, the match being close did not surprise me. How it w- played out surprised me a little bit because of Yaya Thomas, not because of Max Murin. He, he, he does what he does. I was getting a little cautious because he would lead with his right arm and club with the right side. So I was like, okay, he's got to watch that. He usually keeps his hands low but he was reaching with the same hand that he was um, leading with. So I said, okay, that's that. But what I saw about Yaya, I was very, very loose, very relaxed, kind of um, a freestyle European style, kind of just loose, stood up a little more because usually he's more compact in, in, in there in the phone booth, so to speak, very loose. And I said, man, this is different. So he told me in an interview that we had that this was his first time at Carver. And I said, are you going to be nervous? Or is this going to get you? He's like, I've been in big matches before. And I said, okay, we'll see. He proved <laughs> that he was very relaxed. And then I talked to him afterwards, walking out of the, you know, we were leaving. And I said, yeah, yeah, congratulations. I said, look, that, that relaxed kind of stand-up style, was that something you planned or something that just kind of happened? He said, no, I planned to wrestle like that. That was the game plan to be very loose there and then pick my moments. And he did a very good job. Yeah. And he, you know, I don't want to say that that stand-up style, I mean, you kind of hit on it with the European stuff because he was hitting some various like, you know, almost Greco-like hand fight techniques, you know, like he would, 
Max would come in with the heavy club like he always does, and and Yaya didn't really let that phase him. He would pull off to a two-on-one. He would just try to disrupt by snapping and clearing ties. Um, there were a couple times where Max would come with the heavy hands and like Yaya would post to get into his shots, right? And that's ultimately how he was able to score his takedown in the third period, right? Max posted, Yaya shot, Max defended, then reshot, right? And was able to finish quick, and then there just wasn't enough time for Max to charge back into that match. Um, yeah, that was, that was, maybe I just don't watch enough Yaya Thomas, or at least I haven't this year, but that I was, I was very intrigued by that. The whole stand up a little bit more, um, almost like he was Darren Max to shoot, but you know, Mm -hmm. he also had, you know, his left leg league and he was reaching with his right. So I don't know if that threw Max off just, you know, the, the calculus of the wrestling match in the middle of it. I was really impressed by it. I thought it was a good match really from both guys. Yaya just capitalized on his shot. Yep. It was, um, a three, two match that wasn't a snore fest now. You and I are both wrestling junkies, so we, we like to watch little things. Maybe to the public, it wasn't as good as, say, the heavyweight, which was, you know, another 3-2 match. But I, I thought that both guys wrestled well, and it certainly can go the other way. Little tween, things to tweak for Max, but um, it, it wasn't anything that he did that was bad or wrong. Where he said, look, you got to fix that. Unlike at 157, with uh, Trevor Trumbly, he's got to fix reaching and getting, you know, shucked you know, overhand, you know, and, you know, those are things that he can work on, but not much Max Murin can really, you know, say, hey, this is what I really messed up. I should have. Hey, it was a good shot. He finished. All right, next match. Yeah, and Max got in on a couple of shots um, as well, and Yaya did just enough to dig an underhook or stuff the head or or defend well enough, um, you know, to obviously hold off Max, right? And that was, you know, excellent. that was one of the marquee matches of the night. Um, went Northwestern's way, one of the other ones, heavyweight. Um, wanted to circle back to 157 in a moment, but I really wanted to touch on heavyweight because when I was listening back to the broadcast, because that's how I usually rewatch these things. I don't have special coaches film from their managers. Um, obviously I get to listen to you and Sean and you made the comment, you know, Hey, welcome to the new age of heavyweight. Just because, I mean, another three, two match that was abs- like, that was the furthest thing from a snore fest. Right. And, and on top of that, when people think heavyweight, more often than not, they probably think of like push and pull Greco-Roman type wrestlers, right? You know, the the Tony Nelsons kind of, um, you know, just maybe not super exciting wrestling. That was maybe one of the most exciting matchups of the night, right? Lucas Davison, Tony Cassiope, Cass comes away with a 3-2 win because big lift, heavy single that he picked up in the air to finish in the third period. Davison was in on so many shots in the earlier portions, almost had two there at the gun. Tony did just enough to defend. Um, and it's funny, you, you know, you, you made that comment on the broadcast, welcome to a new age of heavyweight. I had made the same comment on Twitter earlier watching it that just like, I hope people can appreciate how athletic these heavyweights are because yes. we just wrestling's not used to having this brand of athlete wrestling heavyweight. Like I, you know, I I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm convinced a decade ago, if these guys are around, they're probably playing football because of how big and athletic and how quickly they move now. You know, they're wrestling. So shout out to guys like Kyle Snyder and Gable Steveson for making it cool for big guys to wrestle, right? Um, but just another tremendous match, I thought. And, you know, it was the second to last match of the night. So Iowa pretty much had the duel well in hand by then. But just, you know, number three, number four in the country. Like that was the crowd really got into that one. And and you and Sean did as well on the broadcast. I thought that was a great match, too. Completely agree. Um, it, it just makes it exciting when uh, athletes that are larger show that they are athletic. And uh, Tony Cassiopeia is is athletic. Obviously, he's, he's slimmed down from a couple of years ago. And he's moved well. Lucas Davidson moving up from 197. He's moving up as well. Uh, Davidson was in. And Tony did a good job of wizard wrist and trying to get the heel down to the mat. And the next time uh, that Lucas was going to get in, I said, look, he can't stay at the back of the knee because Tony is too strong. He's got to pull it out to the side. Conversely, when Tony got the shot in, he pulled it right up high and then finished high. And you just don't see that from heavyweights, you know, finishing high in the armpit or above the shoulder. And then it was just great timing on the trip because of the timing. It looked like a lot higher than it really was. I thought that was just good wrestling. And also with Lucas Davidson, he was crotch throwing it, rolling across his body. And then the fact that Tony Cassiope was trying to get out of neutral danger, being body aware. That's all from freestyle. Freestyle, as you well know, is about position. Freestyle is about control. And when you have the blend of those two, it helps just knowing your position. And Lucas Davidson, when I when uh, we went to commercial break, uh, my broadcast phone and Sean Kenny said, three more seconds, three more seconds. And I think Lucas Davidson would have that t- uh, the takedown. 
That's just good wrestling. Yes, it doesn't matter who wins. Well, in my view, it doesn't matter. Just give me good television. <laughs> that was good television right there. You know, right at the last moment, Tony was holding him for dear life. And uh, and then I saw when Lucas Davidson got up, he kind of pushed him off when he stood up. Just those little things like, oh, I got you. That's good stuff. But give me a heavyweight like this. I mean, Greg Kirkley, hey, he's going to do the same thing. Mason Perry's going to hit a dump all day long. Hey, the top four guys want to shoot like this? Give me the semifinals. Yeah, I won't have to try to make it exciting. It'll be exciting. Absolutely. And, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned the whole freestyle thing because, you know, Lucas Davison had a couple of those like crotch lift roll throughs in the first period when he was trying to, you know, when Tony got in on an early shot. And, um, you know, those guys have a freestyle history like that's, you know, I think it was the 2021 U23 World Team Trials. They met in the finals. Um, and it went to a third match because it's best two out of three to make those USA Wrestling World teams, right? And so, you know, Tony ended up winning the third and decisive match and then went on to win a U23 World title, right? So, like, th- those guys have that history, which was – that made it a lot more intriguing to me because, you know, Lucas Davison has beaten Tony before, right? And Tony's world class, and Davison's very much right there. And that's the first time that I actually paid attention to Lucas Davison. I was like, wow, this guy's coming up. I said, how do you get to the finals? I mean, this is going to be a blowout. And then I was like, okay, well, let me pay attention. And then we see that he's not a fluke by any stretch of the imagination. Shame on me. I just didn't know that he was that good. I thought he was all right. But when I saw that he was in the finals of the U23s, I said, okay, I got to pay attention. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you look at the state of heavyweight, there there are a lot of guys that are going from 97 and bulking into, you know, somewhere around that 230, 240, maybe even 250 range. Um, and, you know, at the D1 level, like it is, it is insanely hard to bump up a weight. Like it's not, it's not like high school where you can just bump your 35 pounder to 140 and he'll go out and score a pin for you. If the guy's not any good, like one, everybody's really good at D1 wrestling Two, It's not as like, I, I had a coach tell me once that it's, it is almost, you almost have to relearn how to wrestle when you bump and change weights. And so on top of changing weights, right, Lucas Davidson going from 97 to heavy, now you're having to readjust to just a different type of athlete. And so, you know, yeah, I think that the same with you, the U23 World Team Trials that year in 2021 was really kind of the first time I got to see Lucas Davison in, in that heavyweight mold. And clearly he has adjusted very well over the last year and a half since then, because, you know, all American, um, you know, the, the state of Big Ten heavyweights almost demands that you have to adjust, you know, adapt or die. Um, and he's clearly like, he's clearly figured a lot of things out positionally. He's clearly figured out the strength aspect. He's figured out how to move correctly. And I, you know, even it's even in a loss, very impressed with him. Um, you know, and he's going to be one of those dudes at the end of the year because heavyweight, you know, I know may, maybe we call it top heavy just because of who, you know, top four, five, six, seven, eight guys are, but um, fairly wide open weight, you know, any of the top 12 guys I think could finish anywhere from first to you know, blood round loss. And I don't know how surprised we would actually be by it. Nope. Uh, I completely agree. Um, if the top four guys uh, who happen to be in a big 10 win the national championship, no one will be scratching air. Like, wow, where, where did this come from? This I'm surprised. No, it's not. It's not going to be a surprise. And it, it's just going to help um, with the younger upper weights to learn how to wrestle, you know, and from high school on to learn how to wrestle. Uh, Coach Erickson uh, at Duke is a heavyweight. I, I talked to him. I said, look, so tell me this. Do you all say, look, we're just going to do our own thing? He said, no, 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 no. We learn with everyone else. We try it. And if it doesn't work, we move on. But we're not our own entity. And I thought that makes sense. You know, let's see if they can do, um, you know, what, what Gable D- Stevenson does. Look, let's see if we can hit some shots. If we can do a crap. Let's try it as opposed to say, uh, you know what, you're 275. You- you'll never be able to do it. No. There's some freaks out here that can do it, and we're seeing it right now, and it's quite enjoyable that people would keep the television on when it gets to the heavyweight and say, okay, I can pay attention. So I, I give my my kudos to Tony Cassiopeia and um, Lucas Davidson for just putting on a really good match. Absolutely. Wanted to circle back to 157. Um, that was a very intriguing matchup for a lot of different reasons, right? Trevor Chumley has been very, very good for Northwestern um, and has really, you know, I think before this season, even Coach Storniolo has been, you know, hey, like this guy's been really key in the success of guys like Yaya Thomas during his All-American run. Um, guys like Ryan Deacon, NCAA champ last year for Northwestern. Now he's getting his chance to shine this year at 157. Very, very good so far. Um, will continue to be very, very good, you know, throughout the remainder of the season. But he ran into a very dangerous Kobe Seabrecht. And I think, Rock, you got the full 
Kobe Seabrecht experience on Friday night. He he is a kid that is incredibly confident in his attacks. He's not afraid to just pull the trigger and let it fly. He's a little unorthodox defensively. Um, he leg passes a little bit too much for my liking, but it works for him. So who, you know, who, who's am I to say? Um, and this is a guy at a weight for Iowa, 157. It was probably the biggest question mark coming into the season. Um, and he has very resoundingly answered it time and time again. I know he took a loss to Mikey Carr uh, last week, Illinois. Mikey Carr, very good wrestler. Hopefully his health can stand up for the rest of the year. Um, but now Kobe Seabrook's got a win over Trevor Chumley. Now he's got a win over Anthony Ardalona. Now he's got, he seems like a guy that, you know, I, I guess let, put it this way. Beginning of the year, not sure Iowa was going to score any points at this weight at the NCAA championships. Now you got a guy like Kobe who, very dangerous competitor, who could probably score some much-needed team points for the Hawks come March. I, remains to be seen. It's only January 15th. But what would you think of watching Kobe Seabrecht on Friday night? Uh, I, I like what I saw. And um, the the overhand slide-by for the first takedown was, was lightning quick. Nasty. Hit it again. And, and I got to give credit to Trevor Trumbly, who kept his elbows in because if his hand touched, he was standing, rear standing, it would have been a takedown. And he did a good job of making sure that he did not touch – anything on his hand, but I said, that's really good. But here's the thing that I, I really enjoyed about Kobe. He stayed really in that black circle, in a 10 foot circle. He wasn't like, I'm just going to use length in a circle. He said, I'm going to stay right in the phone boat and I see what happens. And Chumley is not going to back up either. So I like the fact that he was there. And the only reason you can do that is if you trust your defense. Otherwise, if you don't trust your defense, you'll stand and let the defense be out of bounds. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to stay right in here, and I'm going to circle and circle and then attack when necessary. And in college wrestling, there's a small window. Kobe saw the small window and wrestled very, very well. Now, here's the challenge I have with Kobe is that now people are starting to see him. More film is getting out on him. They're starting to see more of him. Now it's like, who is this guy? He just and now it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Now we got some film, so he has to continue to evolve. And that's something that the coaching staff at Iowa will work on. But the more film they get on you, if you do not evolve, you're going to get passed because they'll see more and more of your tendencies. But until then, he's doing a great job. I like what I saw. I like the fact that he had very composed match. You know, didn't look like he was a little nervous or frazzled. And then he won and wasn't surprised by it. Like, hey, yeah, good. I won. Let's keep it going. I, I like what I saw with him. Yeah, no, and and I like the you know you mentioned that slide by. Um, first off, shout out Drake Ayala because that's like <laughs> his that's like his go to thing, man. If you tie up over, if you tie up and fight for inside control against Drake, he'll go over tie slide by literally all day. He's hit it against basically everybody in the country that has decided to wrestle him. Um, and it turns out that they're roommates, so that makes just so much sense. They're just hitting it in the living room all day. You know, on a slide by, it, it's it's kind of like, um, first of all, when someone gets a good, like, you know, guys in Eastern PA that, like, they'll grow up doing a slide by. But when they when they do it, it's like if you take a shot and you don't recover quickly, you're going to get a slide by. Like McGee from um, from Arizona State, 133. You know what's coming. You know, but yeah. the great thing about it is that if you reach and you don't keep your hands and elbows underneath your body, just a slight reach, these guys – that are so good, they will slide by Drake Ayala and Kobe. It's it's something that, that's just dangerous and keeps people from being a little too aggressive by knowing that if I just reach just a little bit, I'm going to be touching the mat and they're going to be behind me. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I brought that up because I love your point about, you know, hey, there's there's more film out there on Kobe now. It's, you know, it goes back to that adapt or die idea. Um, that's the first time I've seen that slide by from him in a live match. I'm sure he hits it in the room quite a bit, but this is a guy that, you know, he likes his heavy hands. He likes to post. He likes his head outside. He really likes his underhook. Um, there's a lot of stuff that he can get to from that underhook. And actually on his second takedown against Chumley, um, he defended a shot early in that third period. If you remember right, immediately caught the underhook and boom, dropped right into a shot. That's, that's where I think he's a little like maybe the most comfortable. Um, but, you know, you talk about, you know, having to, to develop that versatility offensively, um, at least what we've seen so far from Kobe, he seems willing to do that, which is only going to bode well for him moving forward. Because um, to your point, especially in the Big Ten Conference, and especially when you get to that national level, guys are going to know what's coming. There, it, there are not going to be a whole lot of secrets. So you better have a wide array of attacks or it's going to be a quick, uh, quick marked trip at Tulsa um, when we get there a couple of months from now. Or to that point is that, 
he may have it, but he just, you know, giving us a little doses as opposed to giving it all out there. So people say, okay, um, he doesn't. OBC Breck's playing the long game, man. <laughs> yeah, he's just saying, you know, I'll show you a little bit here, you know, and then next time I'll show a little more. Like you said, he never saw the slide by and he hit it twice. Like, okay, that's something else. And then the next match, he may do something even funkier or crazier. And I, uh, when I talked to Coach Brands about coaching Seabrook, he said that, yeah, look, I, I got to let it go, let it happen. And he says there's still things we need to work on, and he's not going to be just a gunslinger, in other words, words, then, you know, but I'm still going to be able to coach him. And there's been some guys that had different styles from Iowa. Mark Perry, you know, not your traditional Iowa wrestler, but, hey, he was very much a winner there. So it doesn't mean that because you wrestle a certain style, you can't be in a different program. Hundred percent. Yeah. Wanted to touch on a couple other matches. Um, I know you were very, very excited to watch Real Woods. Um, I remember before so before the dual Friday, you and I met up just to chat about a bunch of different things. And and the one thing I remember telling you about Real Woods was that this dude just has a different level of speed that I'm just maybe not used to seeing in the Big Ten conference and especially at Iowa. And we saw that right out of the gate, right? That quick club shot, scored a takedown 10 seconds in, ultimately goes on to win 17-2 over Frankie Tauchahar, who's who's a great wrestler, right? Like top 10. Like that guy's going to be in the mix to be on the podium at that weight this year. And and real real put on his best Spencer Lee impression, um, three tilts in the first period. What'd you think of watching Real Woods? Um, that conversation when he hit the uh, first shot, I wasn't ready for it. And I was like, wow, club, little single. All right, 10 seconds. Okay. And then when I saw him put the tight waist in and kind of lace the ankle, pull to the side, I was like, okay, are we going to see kind of the match they had with Casey Swiderski where it's just going to hold on? And he must have read my mind. I was like, no, Rock, watch this. <laughs> and then <laughs> he did, especially arm bar tilt. And a little thing that he did with the arm bar tilt, he could not get it. So he used his knee to pinch it in. And then he started to roll it over. And I said, man. He's really picking up, and it wasn't just the armbar tilt, but then he had he clumped it, and then a little roll through tilt as well. It was just a, an array of, of points, and so now you got to say, hey, he's very good on his feet. Obviously, you do that, but now he's not just going to hold you down and just tight waist and squeeze. You got to work your way up. But if you work your way up too fast, you'll be uh, looking at the Iowa Hawkeye in the ceiling. Absolutely. Yeah. And his tilts, you know, for, for, they were all similar, but they were all a little different, right? I mean, you mentioned the bar arm tilt using his knee. That was really cool to like see live on air. And then also hear you say it at the same time um, on TV, because like you're one of the best in the business. So that was really cool. Um, And then he also did, so arm bar tilt, cross wrist tilt. um, And then on the edge, when he pulled Taushahar back in bounds near the end of the first period, you know, it was, it was the similar cross wrist tilt, but he rolled through and was able to score four more back points to go up 14-0. Um, you know, we, we've seen that from from Real in small doses. Um, haven't seen it a ton just because he's been in and out of the lineup. But when Iowa went down to Chattanooga, he did almost the exact same thing. Um, you know, rolled up a quick 16-0 technical fall in the first period. Um, and I tell you what, man, you, you know this, um, and I know a lot of diehard wrestling fans know this, if you can turn grown-ass men on top in college wrestling, that is a MF game-changer. Like that is like, and so Real Woods has that. I think he's always had that, but I think, you know, those of us who in Iowa here in the Big Ten are starting to see it a lot more just because he wrestles for the Hawks now. And that is, that's, man, like, <laughs> like if you can do that, like there's, there's, you you wonder why we all consider him a national title contender, right? It's, it's uh, all respect due. Uh, but um, when I went out to Stanford and talked to him and they said Real left and we love Real and we, we want him to come back and, and, you know, work out with everything he has. But the guys on the team were like, man, he's going to win the Nationals. It's like, look, he, he is just a dog. That was his order. He's a dog. He's he's going to win it. And what I that's, that's why I love being at the site. You get to see everything. The way Real Woods walked out there, it was Conor McGregor-ish. I mean, he didn't have the arms. <laughs> but he came out there like, yeah, uh-huh, right? I was like, okay. And when you see the eyes, you're like, okay. And Frankie looked like he was – Bouncing around, but you can see like he was a little nervous about what's going on. Frankie Tashard is good. He was a real legit top 50 recruit. He is good. Real Woods is just better right now. That doesn't mean Frankie can't get there. But Real Woods is proving a point. So I'm, I'm wondering, when we talk about quick guys, we talk about Andrew at Northern Colorado and then Real at Iowa. Those two guys are Stupid fast. I mean, 
if they ever wrestle in the national finals, it's just going to be who's quicker. Who's going to so want track meet on a wrestling mat, man. Like that's going to be nuts. So, you know, that, that's the fun thing. Then what if they, those guys are just legit fast, but then to your point, the separation is going to be the mat. Separation will be the mat. One thing I was concerned and as an analyst, I got to tell the truth was the fact that it was up 14, nothing. And then for the last two periods, it was, it just slowed down tremendously. And when I looked, he did the right club, dropped down. It wasn't like a shot. It was just kind of cupped the ankle. He wasn't as quick. Now, granted, we get tired, and, and that happens, and that might have been a point. And I was a little surprised that he maybe was trying to, you know, end the match spectacular, but we went for that duck under, and then Frankie just, you know, crunched on. I said, okay, is that being a little fatigued, you know, if y'all want pop? But back, granted, it's his first real match. It's a real quality opponent, and so maybe he has to work on it, but – I was a little concerned about the fact that he went from just being out the gate and then for the next few periods, it's like, uh, let me just kind of coast. And maybe that's something that that he had planned. He said, look, let me just, you know, get my lungs underneath me or that's something that they need to work on. Nevertheless, tech fall against the top 10 opponent. Who am I to say? No, I, I think you make a good point because, I, you know, I, we mentioned this before we hit record um, when we were talking about this. Um, you know, somebody – said on online on Twitter, you know, during the match that, you know, I think I, I I think I was the one who said the initial comment that, you know, hey, like Real Woods putting on his best Spencer Lee impression, right? With a quick takedown, those tilts, big lead. Um, and then somebody fired back and was just like, yeah. And he, you know, continued to look like Spencer in the second and third period too, because sometimes Spencer, um, you know, his gas tank isn't all the way there sometimes in the second and third period, at least early on right now. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure he's getting his lungs back and he's going to be good. But to your point, um, yeah, you know, like when you're up 14-0, like, you know, if I'm your coach, go close that thing out, right? Like, go get one more. And maybe he was trying that with the duck under that Taushahar caught him on and, and took him, you know, ultimately took him down. But, um, you know, a couple escapes, riding time point. At that point, I think in the third period, Real probably understood that, you know, hey, I've, I've got this in the bag. Let's not do anything crazy. But, um, you know, maybe he was trying to put on for the crowd with that big duck under and trying to go something big and, you know, up 14 nothing. If you go feet to back, you could get the rare 20-0 to zero technical fall. So, Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Who knows? But I, I, I like that observation. That's something that we're obviously going to have to keep track of moving forward. Um, I think last thing that I wanted to ask you about, Rock, um, I, the word that I have used to describe Spencer Lee is that he is an alien. Um, you, 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 you say he's different. Um, he was it's just, I like, I, he pinned the number three kid in the country on Friday to close the duel out. Um, I, do you have any more words to describe what you saw or, or what was, what was your initial impression of watching Spencer? I, I obviously watched him for years, uh, when he was winning super 32s, his matches against Suriano. So I, I've seen him and here's the thing that I don't understand. And it goes contrary to what I said probably 20 minutes ago. You got to keep evolving, keep evolving. He does the same dump. He does the same fireman. He does the same bar arm tilt. He does the same thing. But you can't stop it. And <laughs> it bothers me because it's like, look, he's doing the same stuff he was doing back at the Ironman tournament. It's the same bar. What is he doing? I don't get it. That's why he's just different because it just trumps everything that we think you should be doing. He does it. And to the fact that he did it against the number three guy in the country, the number three guy in the country, he made it look like I was out there wrestling especially. It was embarrassing to see how good he is from the competition. It's he's also a point like next topic. And, and I know that Patrick Laurie is very confident. And, and what I've seen about Spencer Lee, um, that he's, I mean, he's Spencer Lee, but guys that have given him the hardest time are guys that can dart in and out, you know, space dart in and out. When you look at um, uh, Sebastian Vera darting in and out, and then uh, Piccinini, he was darting in and out. And then a guy that, that beat him from Oregon State. Guys that are that kind of just go in and out and just dart in, gives a little problem because Spencer kind of applies and straight at you. And once you straight at you, you're in trouble. But guys that have motion, and that's what I'm saying that Patrick Glory has that. He'll jump in and out. Now, when I talk to Princeton coach, they say, hey, we got to tell him you can't shoot that much from Spencer now. You got to get past the first period, and then let's see what we can do. But what I saw from him today was just, just a different individual. I don't understand how someone would be that good. And like Gable Stevenson, it just it doesn't register. I watch a lot of wrestling, and I think I can pinpoint what what I don't understand why he's that good. He just does things that are just not like, hey, whoa, what is that like? It's an arm bar, too. 
It's a fireman's. He's different. And so he got pinned. And I, I talked to Coach Gable at the end of the the, uh, the match. We was introduced myself. And Coach Gable was very gracious. And, and we talked. And and um, there's a funny story. I told him about when I went to um, the Hyatt in Coralville, uh, Hyatt Reese in Coralville. And I said, I saw a life-size bobblehead of you, Coach. And I showed him a picture. And he kind of laughed. He said, well, I, I guess that's what they do when you win 21 straight Big Ten championships. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so, coach. So, so he said that, but he, he was, I mean, that's true. That's what you do. But the point is, I said, so, coach, what makes Spencer really so different? He, I mean, really tell me how how good he is. And I want to know all the guys wrestle. And coach is just being a coach. He said, well, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's got to kind of work a little harder, you know, get past the first period. He's got to, you know, we got to see more out of him. And I was like, what? More out of him? He's like, yeah, you know, we got to see what he's in there, you know, because the match against Iowa State. I was like, he brought that up. So Coach A was still coaching him. He said he's got some good moves. Good moves, Coach. He's killing everybody. But I remember saying to Coach Gable, he said that. But the fact is, he respected me and said, yeah, he, he's really good, but he's still a coach. He's still saying there's room for improvement. And I respect that out of Coach Gable. And I respect the fact that he's not just going to give me the the all hyperboles like I'm thinking. He's like, here's some areas of improvement. And I'm sure Spence Lee would take that into consideration. But to answer your question, man, the guy's just different. I don't, I don't know what to say about him. He's not doing anything that's incredible, but he is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I like that way that I like the way that you phrase it. He's not doing he's just he's just so fundamentally sound and he's quick. And and to your point about these guys that, you know, the guys that could give him trouble are the guys that are quick and they dart in and out and um, you know, the, I, I think the thing with those guys, um, you know, the thing that Sebastian Rivera was so successful with is that you, like, yeah, he dart, he was real quick and he darted in and out, but he also finished quickly, or at least he got to his holds quickly um, so that he didn't get caught in Spencer's, um, you know, inside ties because Spencer, Spencer's ridiculously strong, right? And he was ridiculously strong before he spent last summer in the weight room. And so, you know, those guys that dart in and out, like you better get to his legs because if you don't, you know, he's got real good head hands defense in the moment he gets his hands on you like that is when he can go to, you know, a sweep, a fireman's cut off to a double like that's that's it's it's that unreal grip strength that I don't think people fully understand while watching him. But they appreciate it when they do watch it, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't know that people understand fully how strong Spencer is. Yeah. And so those guys that are quick, like you better get to his legs, because if not, that's when he'll quickly get his hands on you. And then it's 95% of the time it's game over. I, I haven't seen, except for Sebastian Rivera, seen someone finish on Spencer and it took a long time. And to your point, it's got to be quick. And Spencer, uh, when Sebastian Rivera, we're talking years ago in the Big Tens, you know, he was fatigued. And so you could, you know, hang in there a little longer. But one of the things that I've seen, and my job as an analyst to, to break down and see as much as possible, it's not an indictment towards Spencer Lee, but I don't see his lateral movement being very strong. You know, he's he's going to come straight at you and then explode. But I never see him like lateral movement, you know, circle as much as coming straight at you. And if you're going to come especially straight at him, you're in trouble. It's just lateral movement with Spencer. I think that would be the way to go about it. It hasn't worked, but I think that's the shot. But to that point, the guy could go down as the greatest Hawkeye in the history, the story history of Hawkeye wrestling. And that's just beyond incredible. I hope people can appreciate uh, watching Spencer for the next couple of months, um, at least in Iowa's all-black singlet. I know he's got international aspirations, but, um, you know, I hope people take the time to either go see him live or to really appreciate the kind of special talent that they've been able to watch the last few years because that's just – that's what he is. He's an, he's an alien. He's different. Um, but more than anything, he is he is a rare, special wrestling talent. Um, I'm glad you got to see him in person this past Friday. Um, hopefully, you'll get to see him again before the NCAA championships. I know that you and Sean got ACC Friday Night Duels coming up. Um, big one to kick it off, too. Virginia Tech, NC State. Um, yeah, that'll yeah. be really, really fun. Uh, what, what's your favorite part about the ACC Friday Night Duels? Um, you know, just what you and Sean have been able to do the last few years, because it's really fun to listen to, um, you know, as as a wrestling fan and as a viewer that likes to see wrestling on ESPN platforms. Well, one of the things, it, it's a smaller uh, conference, obviously, but you get to know the wrestlers and the coaches on a personal level. And uh, when they see, they, they start to talk and open up. And some things you can say on air, some things they tell you in confidence. And I, I like that fact that you get to really meet them. Also, uh, the fact that because a lot of uh, wrestlers are coming from the East Coast, 
you know, them being closer to an ACC school that has quality has kept some of the talent that, that normally would go to the Big Ten schools. So, so that's cool. I think also from a recruiting standpoint, it, it makes sense from travel for parents, but also weather. You know, sucking weight <laughs> sucks. I mean, I was in Iowa and I was so cold and my broadcast partner, Sean, was saying, no, nah, this is, I wasn't going to wear a jacket today. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, I turned <laughs> up my heat to 76 degrees in my hotel. I was freezing. So my point is that, you know, the weather makes a difference when it comes out. Do you want to lose weight where it's negative outside or where it's 60 degrees? So those things, <laughs> you know, make a difference. And I, I believe that the ACC is a, a strong conference. Of course, I'm going to be a little biased, but I just like wrestling. I, I think the fact that, um, it's concentrated. Everyone knows it's going to be a tough week every week. And this this weekend right here, starting off with Virginia Tech and um, NC State, these guys are just right now the top two teams in the conference. And the match that I'm most list, looking forward to is that 149 between two freshmen, Jackson Arrington from NC State and Caleb Henson at uh, Virginia Tech. These are freshmen that that go. They, they go, they go. There are lots of other matches. But that's the one that I'm most interested in because this is the first time that they've been in a real like fire dual meet where it's against a competitor that they they're not fans of. So um, tune in. Uh, Sean and I'll be there calling like it is. I'll be on site and I, I, I want as good as entertainment that I got this past Friday with Northwestern and um, and Iowa. So Friday night duels every Friday, seven o'clock Eastern time. If you get a chance, check us out. We're not that bad. <laughs> you guys are the best in the business, Bob, from my perspective. <laughs> um, kind, but, but I but I really do, you know, out here in Big Ten and Big 12 country, um, you know, I do hope people start to pay closer attention to the ACC. Um, you know, I think I think most of the wrestling diehards do, but, you know, really want to turn, you know, some of those casual fans who maybe just want to find something to watch, you know, hey, hey, check out this AC, ACC's, ACC duel, man. You got NC State, you got Virginia Tech. All those other ACC programs have dudes. There's a lot of good wrestling in that conference. It might be smaller than the Big Ten or Big 12, but the talent there is, you know, I, you could argue that the ACC, just because of the smaller number of schools, you know, just as deep as, you know, maybe a Big 12 or some weights in the Big Ten. So here's the thing that I, and you, you made me think of something um, on air. And there's there's three types of people that I need to to convey to. There's the hardcore like you and the people that are listening right there. They're the hardcore. They will watch wrestling. 3 a.m. from Bucharest, you know, because they, they <laughs> love wrestling. They, they, and they can be on mute, and, and that's fine. So I have to respect them and, and talk from a technical standpoint, but I can't be too technical because I got to capture the casual viewer. So there's three types of viewers. There's the hardcore like you, you know, they know everything. And then there's one that says, I may wrestle JV or a little bit in high school. I understand, but I'm not sure what riding time is, you know. I didn't know it was three minutes for first period. You got to appeal to them as well because they're like, okay, I can kind of follow this. And then there's the casual that was watching basketball, a blowout, and then they come back in and they're like, what is what? So I got to talk to them. So we're in Iowa. They may call it the Rico roll. You can't call it Rico roll. I'll say he's rolling them over his shoulders. So for you hardcore fans, give me give us some slack. I'm trying to move the needle so people say, oh, okay, I kind of like this. So we get ratings, and then we can get real matches on ESPN, the mothership, and I'm not – Knocking ESPNU or ESPN2, but I want to go ESPN. So I, uh, when I explain it, it's got to be so I can bring in new viewers. So give me some slack. I know <laughs> some of the stuff. And you'll say, come on, Rock. Why are you talking? I know what a stall call is. Everyone doesn't know <laughs> that, you know, those things. So I'm trying to go to sport, keep it entertaining as well. But I, I do appreciate the hardcore, the people that are listening. Thank you so much. And if you're never not around to watch it, leave your TV on. We need ratings. So leave your TV on if you go out and watch something else. Leave this one, this one. We need ratings. I want to go to ESPN so we can have a nice dual meet. Iowa, Penn State on a February night. That that would be a dream. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Last question I got for you, Rock, before we sign off here. How close do you think we are to regularly having college wrestling on the the main ESPN Mothership channel? I've been asked this question. I've thought about this. What do we need to do? Um, Obviously, um, ads make the difference. Money, Money is it. But we need to prove that we can get a good match. And I'm going to put it on the wrestlers and the coaches. Um, if we get a chance to be on national television, we got to score. We can't be, oh, it's 3-2 match. Oh, that's a great, tough match. People want to score. The NFL said, okay, we're going to be a lot easier to score. So 
if you even breathe on a quarterback, it's a penalty because we want the quarterbacks to throw the pass. So we really need something like that. We need a moment, a moment where people are like, wow, okay, that's it. UFC, when they had their moment with, um, uh, boy, what's his name? Uh, Forrest Griffin and um, Bonner. Yeah, Steph, Stephen Bonner. Years ago, when nobody was like, what's going on? They had that moment on um, on television, and it kind of started. We need a moment. So that means that we need guys, and I hope wrestlers are listening, to score. Score or do something. I'm saying don't just be reckless, but again, don't be boring. We want to score. So my my vision is that within five years, I, I would love to have a match. Uh, we're in competition with all the other sports that went the same thing. But we need moments. We need moments, so we need superstars, people that the NBA does it all around superstars. It's always LeBron James and it's always um, so-and-so and. We need that, especially and Iowa Hawkeye. You know, it's uh, Car Sirachi and Penn State. Okay, ah, okay. That gets people that can follow it a little more. So um, that's my studio view of reality. But until then, we've got to prove to them that we are exciting. And heavyweights wrestling like Lucas Davidson and Tony Cassiopeia also helps. I want to get there and the fans, you know, tell other people about it. Give us a shot. Give us a shot. And hopefully, um, you know, we, we deliver. I hope uh, I'd like to think that we're closer than we've ever been. Um, and especially mm-hmm. when you got duels like, um, you know, a lot of the matchups that happened Friday night, a lot of the, you know, big ACC matchups we got coming. I know Big 12 has an ESPN deal that you can go watch with streaming and whatnot. So maybe we could sneak a few of those bigger ones onto the main ESPN channels. Um, and then obviously with the Big Ten, I know Big Ten Network um, normally calls dibs on all the big ones, um, but right. maybe ES maybe ESPN can come in and steal a few more like they did this year. Um, I know that there's a handful of Big Ten teams that have been. So here's on. inside of information here. Oh, let's uh, go. Uh, um, the Big Ten and Fox, they're going to you know start to have all of their stuff on there, you know, and so we won't be able to get some of the Big Ten matches, and you know that's because of rights, you know, and that, that's fine. But that opens up opportunity for the Big Twelve. So hopefully we can get some Big Twelve action on television. But I'll say the same thing in Big 12, score, 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 score. So we may have Friday night duels, uh, ACC on Friday. And then on Sunday on ESPN, we may have the Big 12. So that's where it is right now. And we got to make sure. Also want to give kudos to Nick Rude. He's the one, the producer for ESPN. He believes in wrestling. He legit believes in wrestling. He's like, look, I have a template. I have a plan for us to really get out there. Softball did it 10 years ago. He said, we're going to use something similar, but a little different. He believes in wrestling. He really wants it. He said, we can get there. We just got to do these things better. And we need, you know, people to be excited about the sport. So I'm pushing for it. Nick Rude is pushing for it. We're going to get there. And fans, you know, let ESPN know, hey, we like this wrestling stuff. You know, it it doesn't have to be me on the mic. Just as long as somebody's out there, you know, talking about it. And and as long as the wrestlers keep scoring, we're going to get there. You guys heard the man. Be sure to tune in. Be sure to watch. Be sure to uh tell do whatever you can to just like raise more awareness right because wrestling is i feel like it's as popular as it's ever been and it's still i feel like the arrow is still pointing up um rock i appreciate you making some time on a sunday man to come rehash iowa northwestern and and talk a little bit of wrestling always appreciate your insight and uh um you know especially when it comes to you know you watching the teams that i cover it's always fun to bounce (laughs) ideas and and thoughts off of another uh, diehard wrestling fan so here's another thing i'm pushing uh next year to get the uh Iowa Iowa State match uh, on ESPN too. Yes. Uh, because hopefully, and you have to educate me. Is it a home and away? Keep going forward, or year by year? Because next year it could be a very good match, and it's not going to be on the Big Ten because it's not a home match. It'll be at the Big Twelve, and I'm pushing. Say hey, we got to get this match on two or you or maybe ESPN, but uh, um. Is that true? It's not a guaranteed home in a way, or they just year by year. So I know with COVID um, during that season, the Big Ten didn't allow any of the Big Ten teams to wrestle anybody else until the national tournament. So that threw a wrench into the Cyhawk series and they wrestle each other every year and they tend to go back and forth. So it was at Carver this year. It should be at Hilton Coliseum next year, which means uh, Big 12 and, and ESPN should get dibs on that. So who do we got to talk to? What kind of checks do we got to write, Rock? Uh, talk to the coaches. Make sure the coaches want it. And then make sure the coaches say, hey, can we get this on ESPN? And let the coaches say, and fans, fans, like, look, we need to add this on ESPN because um, I know a lot of uh, fans are watching from Iowa. 
Iowa State won't have a good shot next year. Everybody returns, and uh, it could be a very, very good match. And so um, I think it would be great television, great television, and that's what I want. So uh, fans, let us know next year. We want that ESPN to have Iowa at Iowa State, ESPN YouTube, and uh, and shameless plug, and ask, you know, can Rock be one of the guys on there? Because I want to be there. (laughs) I want to be there to call it as well. Absolutely, and then we can have Kyvin Gadsden be the uh, the sideline reporter with you guys. So, <laughs> man, I know yeah. the, I know that man does a hell of a job doing the commentator on the Big Ten Plus stuff, and I know he wants to try and explore and, and expand his broadcasting career. I actually think he's going to be doing something. Him, I think he's going to be on the call for a Nebraska duel uh, yep. later this season. So, if not soon, um, so he's yeah, he's that's that's a guy that I know wants to be involved in whatever ESPN broadcast comes through Ames. And you know what? The more we have, the more we can share. We just don't have the inventory yet. But when we get the inventory, man, I, hey, look, and whoever wants to be uh, an analyst, make sure you know your audience, you know, so don't be so technical. Let the moment breathe, you know, so don't talk over everything. Let things develop. But also remember, you want to reach the people that don't know as much as you do. So explain it to them, but don't feel like you've got to be into all the nuances because then you'll bore people and they'll turn it off. Absolutely. Shout out to you, Rock Harrison. Shout out also to Sean Kenny and to Kyvin Gadsden, because why not? That's right. That's That's all we've got. That's all we've got today, guys. Um, I appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back uh, later this week. Going to have some high school wrestling on the pod with a big Ed Winger tournament at Urbandale coming up. Um, so, but between now and then be sure to rate and review the show, wherever you listen to your podcast, we'd appreciate five stars. Be sure to subscribe to the Des Moines register. Don't want to make, I want to make sure that you guys don't miss any of the wrestling coverage. We've got the rest of this season. Be sure to go follow rock on all the social medias. He is the ESPN wrestling commentator. And for my money, one of the best in the business who does it on the mic, you can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. You guys, we will talk again soon.